Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, thanks again for being able to join us on short order uh, for two news conferences in two days. Uh, so it's been busy here at the Madison Police Department, and in our news conference yesterday, I spoke of Marvin Baker and our efforts to try to apprehend him following the first of two Madison uh, carjackings this week. Um, as you now know, uh, Mr. Baker is in custody in Indiana and uh, joining us to talk about uh, how he was apprehended and uh, some of the crimes that took place after the one that we told you about on Monday is uh, Chief Mike Cobalt. Chief? Thanks, Joel. So just to provide a sort of a refresh button, in the past few days an armed man with no permanent address had been uh, formally paroled as recently as January for bank robbery has been responsible now for a total of two carjackings in our jurisdiction. As you may recall, er earlier this week on Monday, Marvin Baker, 41, um, basically showed a 22-year-old college student that he had a gun and uh, as he forced his way into her car in the downtown of Madison. Uh, more disturbing than anything is that this happened in broad daylight as she was stopped at a stop sign in a very high-volume, uh, prolific traffic area of State Street and West Gilman Street. The suspect ordered the victim to drive to various ATM machines and withdrew cash from her accounts, and he subsequently let her out of her car on the Near East Side, and then he ended up stealing it. He drove it around Madison for a while, and then he eventually abandoned her vehicle. Uh, since Monday, with your cooperation and collaboration uh, and through the tireless efforts of our Victims Crime Unit, VCU, we have made apprehending Baker a, a huge priority. We've used media, we've used all of the investigative resources, our partnerships with other area law enforcement. There have been some, some leads and each one was prioritized and exhausted uh, immediately, uh, but he continued to elude us. Uh, each time we deployed the resources, uh, but we just weren't fast enough or uh, the, the the investigations turned into a dead-end alley. Yesterday, Thursday, at around noon, Baker, who was uh, still armed, uh, jumped into a car, and this car was uh, literally in the lot of the McDonald's on East Washington Avenue, where he then, again, following his M.O. from earlier in the week, forced a 56-year-old woman uh, to take him in and to drive him. Uh, he ordered her to just drive him south, and what south ended up was was apparently Indiana. So yesterday at about 4 p.m., our victim, using good wits and resources, uh, said she needed to use the bathroom. And they stopped at a gas station in Jasper County, Indiana. And by way of reference, uh, this is just south of Gary, Indiana. So Baker and our victim got out of the car, began walking towards the gas station, at which point she seized upon an opportunity a moment uh, where she believed she had the chance to run, and she did so. She went back to her car, uh, locked the doors, drove away, and immediately called 911. Meanwhile, uh, our suspect, soon-to-be defendant, Baker, uh, got into the car of a third woman, and around 9.50 p.m. last night, the Indiana State Police then arrested Baker in that car in Clark County, Indiana. So fortunately, none of the victims, at least I can speak to specifically the two Madison victims, and I'm told the same holds true with the Indiana uh, individual, 
none of them were physically harmed, although as you and I all well know, we can all agree that the psychological and emotional distress that was inflicted cannot be understated, uh, given those circumstances, of course. Uh, there was a real concern, and in fact, uh, conversation to the effect that uh, our victim had it of the great understanding that he was not going to go, this was not going to go well for him. He knew that he'd end up spending a lifetime in prison or he'd end up shooting it out with whatever cops he came into. Uh, fortunately, it did not get resolved in any sort of hail of gunfire, and I would be the first to hope that uh, we give him his second prerogative, and that is a lifetime behind bars with no opportunity to ever smell the fresh air that awaits. In any event, we are grateful. There's a lot of people to be thanked here. We are grateful for the assistance of the Jasper County Sheriff's Department, the Coutts Indiana Police Department, the Indiana State Police, and also assisting the effort is our friends and uh, colleagues of the DEA, ATF, and the FBI, and our detective teams, specifically through the Violent Crimes Unit. Um, we have a lead detective, Reggie Patterson, has been in contact with our Indiana authorities, and uh, we continue that uh, investigation as a collaborative effort. And, of course, both of our victims are immensely relieved uh, that this uh, man's crime spree is now over and that he is safely tucked away in law enforcement custody. Oh, yes, thank you. Our second victim, the victim from the McDonald's uh, parking lot, was a 46-year-old woman. Thank you, Joel. Chief, Chief uh, once the 46-year-old woman was able to escape at that gas station in Indiana, called 911, uh, can you tell us what was key for Indiana State Police to locate him after... He, you're telling us, had victimized someone else, was in a completely different car now. Mm -hmm. Do you know how they got on his trail? Well, again, I think ultimately we're going to let them tell their story in terms of the investigative priorities, but any law enforcement agency, first and foremost, is going to prioritize in terms of how do we preserve and protect life. So they would have been more concerned, I'm assuming, in figuring out where this their Indiana victim, I'm putting in air quotes not knowing what her status is, where was she affiliated? What was her direction of travel? What were the earmarks of what vehicle that she may have been operating? So you want to sort of triage and stop the threat to humanity first, and then those investigative considerations that were part and parcel to us would have taken a subordinate role, but no less the fact that they were, as soon as they had resolved it by getting into custody, they were mindful that the victim's car, our victim's car, the 46-year-old woman's, represented a mobile crime scene, and so they were obviously going to understand that that had forensic value to us. They obviously understood that our victim had been severely traumatized, and so victim witness support would have also been instituted. And so the conversations have been going with our VCU hierarchy since late last, uh, yesterday afternoon. It's been a very nice coordinated response. Yes, Joel. Quick add-on, speaking with the detectives, um, so following uh, our second victim uh, getting into her car, driving off, calling 911, uh, authorities in Indiana were able to review, again, surveillance video in the lot of the gas station where the third woman uh, had been. And in doing so, they were able to identify uh, the car that that third woman was in and that would have played a significant role in, in the ability to try to track her down later on that evening. Thank you for filling in the, the holes. Thank you.
Chief, how do you feel about the the actions, the presence of mind of the 46-year-old Madison victim who is, in essence, kidnapped for a number of hours and, and driven across state lines? Her capacity to keep things moving forward, ever forward, in light of all of those concerns. I mean, you've got, he's a big man, and he's posturing, he has a gun. Um, there's some suggestion he's also doing drugs in the context of this drive down. You can imagine the unpredictability, the volatility, the sheer sense of terror that may have been grappling with her for hours, not knowing what the end game is, not knowing what the ultimate destination is, not knowing what his plan for her is. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I'd certainly like to give her a Madison Police Department application. Um, that's someone that shows poise under incredible stress for hours and for miles. Uh, and while the initial uh, situation has been resolved, I, I am obviously going to make sure that through our victim witness associates at, at the Dane County um, DA's office, uh, it's now that that specter is over, there is going to be a sort of a realization, a dawning, an epiphany uh, of how vulnerable these victims are. And as, as they process that, how precious that life is and how close the, to the dangerousness they were, that that might actually really merit uh, getting some extended uh, therapeutic help. Said that the uh, this Baker person might have been doing drugs during the time. Do you have any more information about that? Well, we're still looking at the forensics and the collaborative efforts from the victim statements and what was being relayed to us from Indiana. So we're waiting to get a more discernible understanding of what, if anything, that meant and to what extent. What about the victim, the third victim? Any description of that person? Again, I'm a little sketchy on that because that's the purview of the Indiana authorities, and they've been working through the night trying to see what the merits of their prosecu uh, prosecution may be. Um, and so rather than uh, interpret or infer what their outcomes are going to be, I'm going to stay in my lane and ultimately allow their PIO or their information broker to see where they are to date with their findings. Chief, how close did the VCU get? You talk about that... Uh you were on the trail of this individual. I mean, uh, was it a situation where you might have arrived at a location in Madison half an hour after he had been there? Talk to us about that. Well, it's hard to say exactly how cold the trail was or whether it was a false positive because some of it involves, uh, through electronic and search warrants, uh, pinging on a phone. But if the phone had been uh, thrown out or if the, throne, if the phone had been turned off and then subsequently turned on hours later, you go on the best available information and technology leads you have, so it's difficult to say what our window of opportunity would have been. But suffice to say, we were prepared and had resources mustered 24-7 because we were hopeful we would pick him up. He was, as you may recall, Tony, NPA, no permanent address, and so we thought that him living on the streets might give us some opportunities. Again, we were able to pick up some uh, sort of geographical understandings of where he was, uh, again, through surveillance cameras, sometimes private, sometimes portal from the public. Chief, you mentioned this was quite a long drive in Indiana. This victim had to be with this um, suspect for quite a long time. Was there a statements or um, interviews di talking about the dialogue that these two individuals had with each other and what was it like in, in that 
um, I guess at that time this is all happening? Well, I'm given to understand that obviously there would have been a snapshot provided to the Indiana authorities, but ultimately we are going to be vested with the prosecution of this case here. So the extended or comprehensive interview and interviews to be uh, forthcoming uh, in Madison will be handled by our team, and then that's when we'll get into the very specific, detailed chronology of events with greater sense of specificity. No details yet uh, talking about like, was she threatening with her life? Was there a sort of did the victim talk this this hijacker down from Well my sense is that because she had the presence of mind given the duration, and if you ever driven down to Gary, that's a long haul. Uh, you have to be pretty good and fast on your feet and uh, have a good wit about you to be able to continue to dialogue, to continue to redirect, deflect and to sort of keep someone from escalating. And so I, I give her a lot of credit. Now, our case detective will be talking with that victim. Uh, at some point, that really hasn't taken place. Right. Yet. Okay. In all these cases, he wasn't driving, right? The people he carjacked were driving? Uh, it depends. In our first instance, you're right. Uh, the first victim at State and Gilman, uh, he was initially seated and threatening from the passenger side, but over time, after the ATM transactions and obviously him stealing the car, he was put behind the wheel of, of her car before it was subsequently abandoned and then recovered by us. But in this instance, I've been told that he was uh, a passenger and that the victims had manipulation of the vehicle. Both the second and third cases. And do you know if that third victim was a woman? I cannot say, but I believe, uh, excuse me, I believe she was a woman. Uh, a female victim was involved in the third incident. Again, it's a little more um, obtuse to me to understand what exactly her status is at law in terms of their prosecuting effort, whether she was a victim, whether she was uh, basically uh, lured under false pretenses to think the guy needed to ride. I don't know to what extent. I would be feeling comfortable classifying their victim until they've had a chance to fully debrief her. Knowing Mr. Baker's pattern, do you think that this would have kept on escalating had he not been captured or apprehended? And Absolutely. There is no doubt in my mind that he understood the gravity of his actions. He understood that this was only going to go one of two ways, a lifetime in prison, or a shootout with the cops, in which case maybe his life would be taken. There is absolutely, unequivocally, no disputing that, I that that's exactly what he knew, and perhaps that's why his feats of desperation continue to ratchet up. Do you, do you know what precipitated his desperate acts? Was there an event in his life that set him off? Again, I think that until such time as we've had a chance to sort of uh, give a formal Mirandized interview with him, uh, it would be speculation at best. I know he had been out of prison since January. I know he was had no permanent address. So I couldn't comment as to the extent of what his life circumstances were such that he felt the need to take such desperate measures with other people's lives. What's the timetable on those types of interviews that you plan on having? Well, again, um, I think our victim is now safely back in Madison, if I'm not understanding. So we want to give her the time to sort of decompress, sort of figure out what are her uh, needs are in terms of therapeutic or otherwise, and, and then we will take the time to, to 
as best we can to get that comprehensive interview with a VCU lead detective. Specific injuries, I mean, without revealing the uh, Beyond the pale of, again, those emotional pain that has been inflicted, no doubt. Uh, physically speaking, I believe that both of our Madison victims are in good shape. We had to file a petition for extradition to get him out of Indiana. Is he in Clark County or Jasper? I'm not. Clark. Chief, on a, on a separate matter, uh, it's also been announced that the Madison, that, a, that an individual being sought by the Madison Police Department, for one, William Guy, has been taken into custody overseas. Can, can you summarize how that came about after his status as a fugitive for perhaps as long as seven years? Yeah, William Guy is a bad character. No ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, a really bad a domestic violence abuser and a predator, to say the least. He's been wanted out of Wisconsin for uh, raping his uh, ex-wife. Uh, he's committed dozens of felonies, including stalking, causing bodily harm, false imprisonment. I mean, there was a litany of charges against this guy. And making him more sort of scary is the fact that he had incorporated his military tactical skills and using GPS devices to have done some of his sophisticated uh, predatorial behaviors and stalking people. So besides his ex-wife, he'd had girlfriends that he engaged in similar behavior. He had the dubious distinction of making America's Most Wanted the then infamous show. And we had him ready to go with over 40, excuse me, over 50 felonies uh, back in February of 2011, and he absconded uh, from the authorities just prior to going to trial. So he has been on the loose for a very long time. Uh, we can't thank enough our, our colleagues over at the U.S. Marshal Service. Uh, this fugitive was uh, an intrepid uh, traveler, uh, very sophisticated in his means, having been out on the lam for this long. Uh, I think they ultimately arrest him in Vienna, Austria. I would be only too happy to help in the extradition process if that's the case. Uh, and so there's a lot of charges that await this guy, and uh, literally this guy. And he's a bad actor. And I'm just glad that for, for victims it shows that uh, we are unrelenting, the forces of the criminal justice system, and that you can run but you can't hide, and the marshals have shown that this is what they do, and they do it very well. Chief, a couple of years ago, one of your staff members referred to Guy as the Jason Bourne of fugitives. Mm. How is it that after all these years, can you give us some sense that this speck of sand in, in, in a whole ocean uh, turned up in Austria? Well, even, even in the less sophisticated means, we can have fugitives from justice who can vanish into plain view in Chicago. It's, it, you don't have to be a, a, an international traveler to have that sophistication. I noted that one of his uh, uh, skill sets is identity theft. So based on that and the fact that he's constantly moving and he has military training who knows how to be nimble, uh, I, I think that that is amazing nevertheless. Uh, but it will be interesting to hear from the marshals 
what it was that finally gave him up and tipped them off, because we have only the scantest of information. Of course, they have a point of contact here in Madison, and uh, again, I like to let those authorities take a bow, but my goodness, we're certainly giving them a hearty slap on the back. We're very grateful. So many victims for Mr. Guy. Um, when you have someone like that out and loose, I'm sure they still seem victimized at some point because they don't know what's going to happen. Have you been in contact with any of these uh, people and have they expressed any relief or, or what's the contact? The like? news is just so darn recent that we have not yet had a chance to formally contact his victims to suggest that now the hunt is over. But I can only assume because we've done an awful lot of training with those who have been stalked, domestic violence victims, and when you know that there's that unknown commodity of someone that's in the wind, clearly you're always keeping that in the back of your, your psyche, and it's very difficult to adopt any sort of life that is, in quotes, normal. Thank you very much, folks.